1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Your enemy. This, he's writing to Christians. Your enemy, the devil, is prowling around like a lion looking for someone to devour. That is his purpose. We need to recognize that. We are about to, uh, we're, we're not about to, we are, we're starting a, a teaching series, going to last for five weeks, where we're looking at things that amazed people in the Gospel of Mark. Those of us that have uh, studied the Gospel of Mark, you know one of the key words of the Gospel of Mark is immediately or straightway. Things happen quick, real quick in the Gospel of Mark. So we, another key word I discovered is the word amazed. It's in 14 chapters of the Gospel of Mark, it is used 12 times. So it's a major theme. Things amazed people. So over the next five weeks we're going to look at stories from the Gospel of Mark that amazed people. And I want us to see we're supposed to be amazed when God does something. Amen. We're, it is supposed, I know we're people of faith. I know we believe in miracles. I know we believe God answers prayers. But how many of us really see a miracle that's amazing enough to go tell someone else about it? We're going to see amazing things that happened at Jesus' hand. So I want us to see that. So we're in uh, Mark chapter 1, and there's a story. If you brought your Bible, I want you to turn there and kind of follow along in Mark chapter 1. Before I read this, let me just tell you a story that happened to me in my early days of my faith. Um, we would get together at, at, at a home and we would pray, and there would be a, a handful of us, some couples, some singles, and we meant to pray, and we meant our prayer. And I remember this one time, we were meeting at Steve Hauser's house in Butler, um, and it was an evening, and we had met for prayer. And I remember as we were praying, we were attacking Satan. I mean, we were not just talking to God, asking for God to do good things to us. We were taking authority over the powers of darkness that we saw in people's lives. We were praying for deliverance. We were ordering Satan out of lives. And, and I remember kind of thinking to myself as I was praying, I dare Satan to show himself. I dare the powers of darkness to rise up because I can't wait to use the authority I have in Christ over them. And we, that was, we were all kind of excited, and that, that was the attitude I had. And right about that time, there was an eerie presence came into that living room. And all of us at the same time, the hair on the back of our neck stood up. We had goosebumps all over, and there was a spirit of fear had come in that room for all of us at the same time. And it was, was almost like, do I turn and run? Or do we huddle together? We didn't know what to do. 
And after we were dealing with this spirit of fear in the room, the room had just dramatically changed. After we dealt with that, we realized we got to take authority here. It took us a minute because Pastor Dennis Kutzner was typically in those meetings, and when those kind of things happened, he knew what to do. But we were novices. We didn't know what to do. It just kind of scared the daylights out of us. And after we got our wits about us, we knew to pray with authority, and we did. We ordered that thing out of there, and it left. That was a wake-up call for me. That taught me a lesson. Dealing with Satan, dealing with the powers of darkness is nothing that's a joking matter. This is really serious stuff. That said, I want us to read this story in Mark 1, starting in verse 21. <clears throat> they went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Now, wouldn't you love to have been in that room? I don't know what Jesus was teaching. It doesn't give us a hint about the topic. Was he talking about prophecy? Was he talking about spiritual gifts? Was he talking about angels? Was he talking about heaven and hell? Was he talking about redemption? Nobody has a clue what he was talking about. But he was talking about something. And the first thing I want us to see here, if, if you want to fill in this blank, there was he had confidence in the word Confidence in the Word of God. Confidence in preaching. Confidence in teaching. Confidence in speaking it. So Jesus began to teach. That's the first thing I want us to see. He began to teach. You know, there's different ways to teach. Different ways to communicate. So you, some people are amazing at teaching with humor. They get you laughing so much you can't wait to hear them tell you what to do. They just make it fun. I don't have that kind of sense of humor. I would love to. Sometimes I find a funny story and try to use it, but it doesn't just come out of me like it just comes out of some people. There's different teaching methods, different teaching styles. And we don't know what Jesus' teaching style was because he was always coming up with some new avenue, some new strategy, some new angle on how to communicate the truth. But whatever he talked about, there's three things I want us to see. Number one, there was always a voice of hope. There was always something that got people sitting a little straighter in their seats, sitting on the edge of their seat to see how he's going to wrap this story up. What's he going to say next? How is he going to excite us? How is he going to bring good news? How is he going to do something good out of that? People were always looking at it. And he always had this voice of hope in a parable, in a, a, a teaching, whatever it was, was always a voice of hope. That's Jesus talking to us. The second thing always about him, no matter what he talked about, was there was a voice of forgiveness. We just don't hear Jesus getting up in front of a bunch of people that needed God 
and putting them in their place. He was always forgiving them for being in their place so he could get them out of that place. He was always trying to instill hope and always trying to forgive the past and always trying to motivate people to be better than they were before. And thirdly, it was always a voice from God. Jesus was the Word of God. Gospel of John chapter 1 says that He's the Word of God. That's, that's the word logos, the Greek word logos, the Word of God. It's the Word that never changes. Yes. And whenever the Word of God taught, there was usually a rhema word in there. Rhema is the other Greek word, translated word. Rhema is a word for right now. It's too late for yesterday. It's a right now word. If you wait till tomorrow, it's too late tomorrow. This is a right now word. It's a word for today. Jesus is the word. If you want to know what God's will is for you, you got to look at the words of Jesus. You got to hear the voice of of Jesus because Jesus is the logos, the word of God. He what is a word? It's an expression of a thought. And he Jesus, the man is the expression of God. God wants to communicate to us. He wants to talk to us. What's it going to look like? It's going to look like Jesus. So, it says he began to teach with this voice of his. God communicating to us through him. The second thing I want us to see from these two verses is it says he taught as one having authority. You know what authority is? It's confidence. You know why a police officer has authority? Because he has confidence he's got backup. Somebody has given him the power, transferred authority. (coughs) Now notice a couple things we learn about this. Here's number one. He didn't teach the law. He didn't do that. Even in Christian circles, we think we're supposed to get up and give people the law. Tell people how they should live their life, what they shouldn't do. Identify sin. That's what we think it is. But Jesus didn't do that. He gave people hope. Gave people forgiveness. Gave people a word from God. Second thing about him teaching with authority is it was spoken as if it was God's word. Do we have the confidence that the stories we read in the Bible are actually God's word. As long as we have this question, well, maybe it was, you know, just written by men a long time ago, just ordinary people like us. As long as we keep that shadow, we're blocking out the light that God wants to give. What God did is He showed up to people just like us. He influenced them. He came upon them and gave them thoughts, and they turned around and wrote down in their language the thoughts God was putting in their mind. It is God's Word. And Jesus had authority over that. And when Jesus speaks 
things happen. Read the Gospel of Mark. When he speaks, things happen. There's power in God's Word. God's Word, how do I say it? God's Word is embedded with truth on how to live our lives. So when we get the Word out and we read these stories, we read these parables Jesus taught, we read these stories in the Old Testament about God working in people's lives, we need to look in there and we need to say, God, what are you saying to me? This isn't an old story. This isn't a historical account of what once happened. This is God speaking to us. So we can read between the lines and we can see truth jump off the page at us. And that's exactly what I need to know about what I'm going through today. And the third thing about him teaching with authority is that he applied it as God's will. You know, the word in your head gets stuck there. A man is blessed in his deed. We have to do the word. We can't let it get stuck in our head. It's got to be something we take action on. And it's when we act it out that the miracle happens. Okay, here's the second part of the story. I want us to see it's in verses uh, 23 through 26. Just then, while Jesus begins to teach, just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. This is a powerful story. Here's the second thing I want us to see. Jesus had confidence in spiritual things. He wasn't just functioning in the natural realm. He's functioning in the spiritual realm. He wasn't mad at this man. He was upset with the impure spirit within the man. Sometimes we get confused. Somebody's got a bad spirit and we think they're our enemy instead of the spirit within them. Just then. Just as he begins to teach and this voice of God begins coming out to give hope and forgiveness to hurting people. Just then, this guy speaks out out of the congregation, speaks out, and steals Jesus' thunder. He begins to give out his own voice, or the spirit within him is giving out his voice. There's a different voice speaking now. And whenever that happens, it brings confusion to everybody sitting in the synagogue. Is this God speaking or is it man speaking? So they begin to question, they begin to doubt. This is a very real thing that began to happen as Jesus had the floor. 
So it says this man had an impure spirit. We probably ought to define that. What does that mean? He forgot to take a bath. He had all kind of, he had a kind of moral issues. It doesn't say either that. He had an impure spirit. And impure has to do with the way God sees things, not the way man sees things. So we might look at him and say, well, he's got his life together pretty good. But he refused to listen to the word of God coming out of Jesus' mouth. He had a better word. He wants to, he wants to steal the show. He wants to be the center of attention. So the voice of God is challenged by an impure voice. And it's confusing people. Satan is always trying to sidetrack what God wants to say to you. Did you know that? He's always trying to steal God's thunder. He's always trying to get us to quit listening to the Word of God and to listen to the, to the impure spirits around us and how they're thinking. What they think is proper instead of listening to what God thinks is power. The voice of Satan, wherever it comes from, is always a counterfeit of the real thing. And you know, a counterfeit is designed to look like the real thing. And if we're not really in tune with God, we won't understand the difference. We need to get acclimated to the truth in God's Word so we'll recognize falsehood when it comes out. So I gave you three aspects of the voice of God coming through Jesus. I want to give you now three aspects of the voice coming from the impure spirit. Number one, it's a nullifying voice. Nullifying. He says, what do you want of us, Jesus of Nazareth? That's a put-down term, you know. Nathaniel was listening to Philip, and Philip was telling him, come and see the man who's he's telling, us, he's telling us everything we've done wrong. He's telling us the truth. Come and meet him. Who is he? Jesus of Nazareth. Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You see, there was a culture there that Nazareth was a hick town. Big shots come out of the big cities. They don't if he's a big shot, he can't come out of Nazareth. We've never heard of anything big coming out of Nazareth. It's a small town, and big things don't come out of there. So he had a hard time believing in Jesus because he had his focus on the little town of Nazareth. We need to get our focus off worldly-minded things and on to God because he's got life, words of life to speak yes. to us. Yes. So it's a nullifying verse. Jesus of Nazareth, nullifying voice. Secondly, it's a negative voice. Are you come to destroy us? He didn't say, do you come to bless us or destroy us? No, he didn't give that option. He said, are you come to destroy us? Because that's what he fears. Because that's exactly what Jesus came to do to the Spirit. Come on. Exactly what he came to do. What's your purpose, Jesus? His purpose is, the Bible says, 
to, and I'm using a Greek word here, luo, the works of the devil. Luo is a Greek word. The nearest translation is undo. You know you got an undo button on your computer? You make a mistake, you hit the undo button, and it goes right back to where it was. Jesus came to hit the undo button in your life to set you free of what Satan has already done. To liberate you and bring, bring God's blessing back together in your life. And here's the third kind of voice it is. It comes from the impure spirit. It's always a narcissistic voice. You know what narcissism is? That's when everything is about you. Somebody comes up and tells you their, their problem and you turn it around and make it your problem. Everything is about you. Everything focuses back because you think the whole world revolves around you. That's a narcissist. All about you. And what he says, he says, I know who you are. He doesn't have a relationship. He doesn't say, I know who you are as if I've, you know, we're good friends. We have this relationship. Doesn't, doesn't say that. He said, I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. And Jesus says, shut up. He's not going to listen to that word. He's not going to listen to the impure spirit say anything. He's not going to allow the negative, nullifying, narcissistic voice of the impure spirit to confuse people in that synagogue. He takes authority right now. Binds that thing. He says, first, be quiet. He, Jesus is the first one to reject that voice. And secondly, he says, come out of him. You see, this is a spiritual thing. Man, men and women like us, we have a difficult time with spiritual powers. But Jesus had no problem to step into the battle. To step into the fray. And he cares about that man who just interrupted him. Because it wasn't the man who interrupted him. It was the religious spirit within him that interrupted him. And it's unfortunate that there's a whole lot of religious spirits in churches in America. Come on. Jesus did not see that man as his enemy. He saw him as one to be rescued. So that spirit comes out of the man. And he starts convulsing. And he shrieks as the spirit comes out. And I thought to myself, that might have been better received had Jesus said, would you meet me outside, sir? Come over here in this prayer room and we'll meet over here. And I'm going to help you out over here. No, he does it right in front of everybody. And why do you think Jesus did that right in front of everybody? His teaching. His teaching. Sometimes you teach with words and a whiteboard. Sometimes you teach with your behavior, with your actions. Look at verses 27 and 28 of our story. The people were all so amazed. It's the second time we saw that word. That they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching. And with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. 
news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. News about Jesus spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. How did news about Jesus spread all over the place? People couldn't wait to tell the story. When you see something amazing, you don't keep it to yourself. Right. You find somebody else to tell. So here's the third part of our story. Jesus had confidence in the community. He knew if he could get a couple people excited about God doing miracles, they'd go blab it all over the place. They'd start a gossip circle. Yes. They'd get some stories going. And when the stories get going, it catches people's attention. Have you ever been amazed at something God did? I have. Yes. I couldn't wait to tell somebody. I couldn't wait to tell somebody. Just, just had an incident that happened just, just pretty recently. And when Pastor Chet was here uh, last week, we were over there in the other room. And I, I told him what happened. Because I didn't want to keep, con keep it contained to myself. I mean, it's, it has to do with somebody else's business, so I need to keep that private. But I couldn't keep it quiet. I had to go home and tell Anita. I had to tell Pastor Chet, because that's exactly what he preached about. We got to get the story going. If you've seen something amazing, why would we want to keep it to ourselves? Why would we not want to share it? Because we fear rejection. We don't need to fear rejection. What we need to fear is we had an opportunity to speak truth that would put hope in people, and we failed to do that. It takes boldness to tell others. So we should be asking God to set up an open door. I remember years ago, I was, uh, I was a new Christian. I was working in this factory. My job was assembling hydraulic pumps. And we always worked next, next to a tester. And when we finished constructing that pump, we would set it at the testing bench. And they would put it under pressure to make sure that it worked like it should. Um, and I remember we were in the front section. And I remember they hired this guy. He come, came from Ohio, and he was the most foul-mouthed man that I had ever talked to. I mean, he knew how to take the F word and use it as an adjective or, or a verb or a noun. Every sentence had that in there. He just polished it up. And he was so rank, I remember thinking, well, I don't want to have a talk with him. And in the other room, and I could see it through the doorway, there was another bench where they made these special pumps, special application hydraulic pump, and, and they were hard to work with. They were, they were just terrible things. And, I, and that's where they put the guy with a foul mouth on the tester. And I remember watching him, and I remember thinking, I ought to pray for him. And then before I prayed for him, I said, Boy, I sure hope they don't put me back on that bench. I don't want to have to work next to him. Well, you know what happened. They put me back there. 
And I thought, oh no, I know I have to talk to him about his faith. I have to do that. That's just my, in my DNA. I have to do it. Uh, but I didn't want to. I dreaded it. And he was talking to me and throwing around his uh, bad language. And finally, I just said to him, I said, do you have a home church you go to? And everything changed. He began opening up. He began telling me that he attended a Christian coffee house in Bryan, Ohio, and he gave his life to the Lord there. And then he got tangled up with some bad friends, and they got into marijuana, and he got arrested for that. And he just went on and on with the sob story of how bad things, th things had gone. And I just I listened to him. And he, was, he, he toned down the bad language once I asked him the question about church. But he didn't stop. He kept throwing that in there. And I listened to him. I gave him my attention. I acted like I cared about his story. I listened to the story through. And then I said, would you like me to pray for you? And he said, yeah. And I prayed for him. And everything changed in the relationship. Now, he, he didn't get um, miraculously delivered or anything. I don't even know whatever happened to him. He was only around there another week or two, and then he quit and went on to another job. But I just, I realized that if I asked God to set me up with an opportunity, an open door to talk to someone, and God sets it up, that's God. I don't have to be afraid because God just opened the door. He's going to take care of that. Obviously, that man had an impure spirit, and God wanted to touch him. And what the typical Christian does is we turn our nose up in the air, we turn our back on them, and we walk away. As if their impurity is going to transfer to us. Instead of our holiness transferring to them. We need to see this faith thing. Jesus had confidence in the community. He got the word out, and the next thing you know, everybody's out there talking about it. And I've learned, because I was a part of a revival in the early 1970s, I know what it looks like. I've experienced it. I want to see that again. There was a revival because people had the boldness to talk to other people about it. And everybody was talking about this person that got saved, that person that got saved, this person that got their life changed. Everybody was talking about it. And it wasn't always good. Sometimes it was, it was just real critical, hurtful things. When I became a Christian, people said hurtful things about me, and all I was trying to do is love God, follow Him. But I made everybody jealous, threatened by my faith, so they turned to attack me. But that's okay, because I've learned as long as you've got people talking about it, you've got people thinking about it. Yes. And no matter what the motivation, if you can get that thought in people's minds, it will begin to work in them. Yes. So tell somebody what you've seen. I want to talk to you about what I see as a spiritual attack in my life. We have this television set that works great. And you know, you know how they work. You, you hook up uh, uh, Netflix, 
You know, you got an HDMI cable, you got to plug in your TV set. We all do that. Our, where you plug it in, the receptacle in the set itself pulled loose. So we couldn't plug it in. We only had one HDMI thing on. So you can't watch Netflix or nothing on the thing, except regular stations. So we decided, okay, this is a setback. We'll buy another television set. And as long as we're buying another television set, we might as well go the next size larger, just a little bit bigger. Well, you know, the base that TV set sets on in the center, when this thing got here, they were on the end, which was too long for a TV stand. So we had to go out and buy another TV stand. Then, within two weeks after that, we've got this computer, and there's a power cable that you've got to plug in to charge the battery, right? Laptop, you got to plug that thing in. I didn't realize it until I was thinking about this this afternoon, honey. It's the same kind of problem. That thing pulled loose inside the computer. The cable was fine. It pulled loose on the inside. It wouldn't take a charge. So Anita and I were kind of frantically working, try to get that thing charged up enough to get the information off of there before it's completely dead, and we can't get that information off of there. So we were transferring it all over, and, and you know when you do that kind of thing and it's kind of stressful? Next thing you know, sparks are flying in our house. Now I know that doesn't happen with you, but it happens with Anita and I, kind of barking at each other. And then I put two and two together, and you've heard me say many times, coincidence is the language of the Spirit. And I realized we got a problem with the TV. That's the same kind of problem we've got with our computer. And now we got, we're new, we're upgraded. But new drives you crazy. <laughs> Plus we decided to go with a Mac instead of a PC. Everything, learning curve, you know. And I thought to myself, as I was praying for tonight's service, I'll bet you there's some people here tonight that are seeing problems one after another, like it's an unload of problems, un, a whole load being unloaded on you one after another. And I want to pray for that because I see that as an attack of the enemy, trying to steal your joy, trying to steal your peace, trying to steal your confidence. And God wants us to be confident people. So let's stand together. If you relate to the story I just told, one thing after another, like it's obvious, it's an obvious satanic attack. He's trying to hold you back. I'm going to ask you to leave your seat and come down this altar because I want to pray for you. I want to pray for spiritual breakthroughs. Heavenly Father, I'm going to pray right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I believe that you set up this message. I believe you called you call me tonight to speak to uh, spirits who are trying to attach themselves to us. Spiritual bondage to hold us back and uh, be an anchor. And we're just praying in the name of the Lord that you will move mightily, that you will liberate, that you will set people free. That the, the bondage he's trying to put on them, the, the chains, the anchors, they'll be broken in the name of the Lord. Yes. 
Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, your grace and your mercy is just going to flow out on them. We speak to the powers of darkness right now. In Jesus' name, you have to leave. You have to let your stronghold go. You, be quiet and get out. Stop speaking that negative stuff. Stop speaking that, that, that curse into their life because God wants us to speak blessing into our lives. So we're just asking right now, God, you would forgive our uh, impatience, forgive our doubt, forgive the times we lost our faith. Reinstitute that faith, God. Raise it up. Raise it up in us. God, help us to be people of faith, people of confidence, to have confidence in you and to never be afraid of the negative voice speaking into our lives. Help us to never be afraid, get behind, to say, get behind me, Satan. Because sometimes we need to say that to him. Peter said that, or Jesus said that to Peter, and he was, wasn't speaking to Peter, he was speaking to the Spirit. Get behind me, get behind me. Quit speaking that negative stuff. God, help us to stop listening to negative voices and to realize you're a positive God and you have good things ahead for us. God, allow us to walk in your grace as we see this cloud lift off of us, as we see this, this bondage lifted away, God. Just let your newness, your grace, your favor flow into our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good. Did you know that? He's always good. In our church, when somebody says God is good, we all say, Always.